Well, happy Thanksgiving Valley family. Welcome to week number four in our series, I Love My Church. And uh, this is a big weekend for us. We're actually going to be dedicating uh, a bunch of babies. So I, I thought what would be more appropriate than the conclusion, the finale of this series to talk about future church because I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Now, some of you, yeah, you're like, oh, he's doing Whitney. Notice I didn't sing it, though. I kind of helped everybody out by not doing that. But uh, uh, we are dedicating some babies here uh, in both our campuses uh, today. And uh, on the heels of Thanksgiving, what could we be more thankful for than, than for kids? And uh, I don't know about you. I hope you're, you're no longer tripping on tryptophan. You're going to be able to stay awake uh, during the message time today. Uh, but, you know, Thanksgiving is a time where we gather together with family and friends. You start telling stories uh, so many times, like, remember this, remember that, you know, like, with your siblings around the table. Remember when we used to ride the bus to school? You're like, yeah. And you're like, that was so awesome. And, and no one else thinks it was awesome or anything. And uh, there's some stories that are really funny. And then there's some stories that are a little serious. And I remember one of these family stories in the Williamson house uh, when I was growing up. And, and it actually took place before I, I knew it. I was only two years old. But I have two older brothers. One's four years older. One's six years older. And, and it kind of made me think about this story that has been often repeated uh, in my family since, again, I was only two years old. But it was my older brother, Russ, uh, who was eight years old at the time. We were still living down in Georgia. And, and one night my dad came home from work and uh, he went in and he got a shave because he had a little five o'clock shadow. And he was going out again and he was volunteering at a drug hotline. Uh, so that people would call that were high on drugs and all looking for help. And my dad would answer the phone and kind of help them through that. And my brother was eight years old. And as my dad's shaving, about to go out the door again, he comes into the bathroom. He puts the toilet seat down. He sits down there. And he says, Daddy, what are you doing? And my dad's shaving. And he says, well, well, Russ, I'm going, Rusty, they call it. Rusty, I'm going to go to this drug hotline, answer phones for people that are really in trouble, that are high on drugs. You know, they're, they're, their life is just falling apart. They're, they're messing up with their relationships, with their family, with their friends. And, and I'm there to just give them hope and to help them and point them in the right direction of where they can really get some help. And uh, my brother, Rusty, who is eight years old, he turned to my dad and he said, Daddy, that is so incredible. I hope someone is there for me just like you when I have that problem. And my father went that night to the drug hotline and resigned. Because he realized if I can't be there for my kids, I can't be there for someone else's kids. I've got to be there for my family first. And that changed the trajectory of my father's fathering and parent life. And there's another couple other stories like that in our family growing up that just changed the whole perspective of being parents. But, but that night my dad decided, I have to be there for my kids before I can be there for someone else's. You only get one shot at it with your own children. And I'm so thankful that that happened. And I'm thankful that my brother Russ, at eight years old, out of the mouth of babes, came incredible wisdom or conviction, if you want to look at it that way. Because it set my dad's priorities very, very different. And I just wonder who I would be today had it not been for that conversation between my eight-year-old brother at the time and my father. 
And, and so children are the future. And my dad in his wildest dreams didn't one day see all this happening through one of his children. But I'm so thankful, but he allowed God to reorient the priorities in his life when it came to his own children. And so for today, our time together, I want to share five ways to shape the future church, talking about kids, talking about children. Five ways to shape the future church, because I do believe children are our future, because I was a kid, little guy who grew up in this church, and now has been the senior pastor for 23 years and a pastor on staff for 26 so, so five ways, and so you can pull out your Valley Christian Church app and just fill in the blanks and follow along here. I think you'll want to do that. Uh, here's the first way. Develop a priority relationship with God. The, the, the best thing that you can do as a parent, as a grandparent, as someone who just cares about kids, maybe you don't even have kids of your own, but just care about kids. If you want to really impact the life of your child or a child, develop a priority relationship with God. That's what comes first. That's what the first priority really has to be. We see this example all the way in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 and 7, it says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. God is talking to the adults first. And then it goes on and it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And then it goes on and says, impress them on your children. But see, the first thing is, it's got to be on your heart. These commandments, that love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You've got to love God that way first. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And so God wants parents, God wants grown-ups, God wants adults to understand that you cannot transfer something to children that you don't first possess. Do as I say, not as I do, does not work. It's an epic fail. And a lot of parents and a lot of leaders and influential adults try to do this. Do as I say, but don't do as I do. And it just doesn't work that way with life. And we find this almost 5,000 years ago written as God speaks in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 and 7. And so the foundation for both a great marriage and successful parenting is to love God supremely above everyone else. That's what makes you a great spouse. That's what makes a great parent is when God comes before your spouse, God comes before your kids, God comes before your family and your friends. That's what makes you a better you. It's when God is first. So, so the first thing, if we really want to make an impact on the next generation, ways to shape the future church, develop a priority relationship with God. Make sure God is not only first, but he's the center. He's the center. Here's the second thing, center your life around Scripture. Center your life in Scripture. Always going back is so important, I think, and this is why I, I, I think it's so important for Christians to every day be in God's Word for, for some amount of time. Maybe it's just five minutes. Maybe it's ten minutes, but, but every single day to spend some time in God's Word. So very, very important because we need to center our life in scripture. Let me, let me give you an idea of why it's so important. The scripture talks about how important the scripture is. And I, and I love this. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And you know what the theme is? 
of the entire, the longest chapter in the Bible? God's Word and how important God's Word is. And I won't take the time to read all of it, but you can read it on your own. But just look at a few of these verses from Psalm 119 as David talks about the importance of Scripture. I am even wiser than my elders. Why? For I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on evil paths so that I may remain obedient to your word. To your word. He goes on and he says, I haven't turned away from, re from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Let me ask you a question. Is that how you feel about God's word? That it's sweeter than honey? Is your Bible the most precious possession that you have? That you would do anything to spend time in it? Is it sweeter than honey? The value that David put on God's word. He goes on and he says, Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. And you know what? There's a lot of false ways of life. David says, no wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In the middle of the darkness, God, your word gives me the clarity that I need. When, when I can't figure out what's going on, when everything around me looks like it's just in chaos and turmoil, your word sheds light in the darkness. And he goes on and he says, I've promised it once, I love this, I've promised it once, and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. He's saying, God, I've promised you I'm going to walk in your word. I've promised you you're not going to be just a weekend habit. I promise I'm not sprinkling a little bit of Jesus on my life and hoping that he blesses it. He says, I promised it once, and I promise again, I am going to obey your righteous regulations. Your way is right. Your instructions are right. And so make sure, it, before we can really shape the future church, children, and impact on the lives of maybe our children or someone else's, if you're in a place of influence like a coach or a teacher or, or, or working with kids here at Valley Christian Church, make sure that the center, to center your life on Scripture Think about it from the point of parenting. Uh, there, there are a lot of different views on parenting today. But uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of parents don't go back to God's word to see what God has to say about parenting. Because guess what? It was God's idea, the family. He knows how it works. And even today, we're just scratching the surface. Uh, there, there, there's, there's so much in the Bible about parenting and what God expects, how to do it, how to be successful. Also, there's a whole lot in the Bible about how to absolutely ruin your kids. If you want to raise a fool, it tells you how to raise a fool so that you'll be embarrassed and ashamed your entire adult life of your kids. And there's so many people that just don't take the time to read God's word that would help them out. So make sure that you center your life in scripture. The one who created the family is the one who knows how the family functions the best. And so the first thing is develop a priority relationship with God personally because you've got to possess it before you can pass it on. Second thing is center your life in Scripture. Here's the third thing that, that I think is so important. Five ways to shape the future church. Bless your children. Bless your children. 
that this necessity of blessing your kids is so often overlooked. But there are many children today in our world, in our culture, in our community, in our homes that are desperately pleading just like Esau pleaded with his father. In Genesis 27, 34, Esau said, Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too. He begged. He begged his father, please bless me. And, and, and I don't know if your children have actually come up and begged, but I'll just say it's in the heart of every child to be blessed by their parents to be blessed by their parents. When mothers and fathers in the New Testament, they brought their children to the disciples, Jesus did something quite interesting when the children came to him. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. So he could lay his hands on them and so that he could actually bless those children and then it says uh, in Mark 10 16 it says and then he took the children in his arms and he's placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them and that's what we're going to do with our baby dedications in just a minute it's so very very important and 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 I know I've shared this before but maybe you haven't heard it before my wife Susie and I uh, we, we made that decision to bless our kids every single day that they went out the door to school where would you get an idea like that from, Greg? That's exactly what my parents did for me every single day, from kindergarten till I graduated from high school. And did it with, with my two older brothers and my younger sister as well. And before we would go out the door, whether it was catching the bus or, or whether it was a friend picking us up in high school or something like that, uh, my mother or my father would lay their hands on me and, and repeat that blessing that we dismiss every week with our valley Christian church gatherings that's found in Numbers chapter 6 verse 24 and 26 the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace I, I, I believe that if you could peel back my life peel away what happened in my life up to this point that was a direct result of that blessing, I, I think I'd be really scared to see what my life would have been had it not been being blessed by my parents every single day that I went to school from kindergarten to high school. And, and even this past summer in May, actually the beginning of June, when our youngest daughter graduated uh, from high school, right before she went out the door on that Saturday morning graduation, she's all dressed up and she had a robe, a graduation robe over her arm. She's like, Daddy, I'm ready. And she wouldn't walk out the door until I blessed her. Had her hair all done and the makeup on and all styled. And, and she came over and I put my hands on her shoulders and I said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the New Testament, it says that one of the foundations of the Christian faith is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. That's not just laying hands on someone and praying for healing. It's also blessing people. And in a culture that just curses and criticizes and tears others down, we of the people of God, we need to bless others. We need to be people that are deliberate and intentional. And I know it's going to be a little funky and awkward the first time you do it as a parent. 
But, but even his grandparents, I can remember my grandfather putting me on his knee and blessing me. Blessing me. God, we just pray that Greg would walk in your way and grow up to be a strong man of God. I can remember, I can hear his voice. I, I can almost close my eyes and I can, I can, I, I can just, just feel his breath on the back of my neck. And it's powerful. And it shapes the lives of young people, the next generation, by blessing them. To bless your child is to speak messages that attach high value and give them a picture of the special future for them with an active commitment as parent that I'm gonna help you fulfill that future. Make sure that you take time to bless your kids on a regular basis. In fact, when my mother was battling with cancer for five years and, and when the doctors told her it was gonna be a very short time Susie and I were here in New York and, and we flew down to North Carolina and on the flight down, we knew this was probably the last time I was gonna see my mother alive in this, in this world. I said to Susie, I said, you know, mom's gonna ask us at some point what we want of hers because my siblings had already been there and she called them in and said, what, what do you want of my possessions? What do you want of me? And we talked about it. We decided what it was we wanted more than anything else from my mother. And sure enough, after we got in there, one day she said, called us in and she said, Gregory, Susie, what, what do you want of mine? I, I want to make sure that you get whatever it is you want of me. And I said, Mom, we want you to bless us. That's all we want is your blessing. And she said, I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. I, I don't have the strength in me right now, but I'm going to pray that God will give me one more good day. And I'll let you know while you're here, I'm just believing God will give me one day where I have enough strength. And it was about three days later, dad one morning came out, we were eating breakfast and he said, your mother wants you in there. She's ready to give you what it is that you've asked for. And we knelt down by the bed. And she sat up in bed and pulled her legs around. And she laid her hands on me laid her hands on Susie and she blessed us and she imparted something to us that changed us from that day. There's a spiritual dynamic of blessing your children and blessing others that you can't see it, you can't grab a hold of it in this world, but it's as real as the nose on your face. I'm so glad we asked her, not for China, not for tea service or silver service, but mama just blesses. And she did, and I'm so thankful for it. Here's the fourth thing that we need to do if we're really going to shape the future church children. Live as an example. Live as an example. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, the Apostle Paul put it this way, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We've probably all heard the saying before, haven't we? When it comes to uh, children and parenting, more is caught than taught. I believe that's so much, that's so very true. As, as our kids are all now in college and we're kind of, we're enjoying the empty nest, you know, and, and uh, 
We, we just realized we see it, Susie and I see it in our three daughters, that uh, they, they don't parrot the words that we speak. They really don't. But it's just amazing when we see them following our examples, for good or for bad. We're not perfect parents, and they're not perfect kids. But there's so much about following that example. It's, it's the example that they have in their life for, for the majority of the formative years of their life. And that's what the Apostle Paul said spiritually to his spiritual kids as well. Speaking here to the church of Corinth, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And the idea there also is this. Paul is saying, I'm following after Jesus, and if I get off track, don't keep following my example. You keep following his example. But as long as you see me following him, I want to be a living, breathing, tangible example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that you can follow my example. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So important. We need living, breathing, tangible examples in our world today for moms and dads, teachers, coaches, bosses, employees, friends of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Can you say that to your sphere of influence, those that, that you influence? Follow my example as I follow Christ. I think every follower of Jesus should be able to say those words. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so if we're going to shape the future of the church, we need to develop priority relationship with God. We need to center our life in Scripture. We need to bless our, our children. We need to live as an example. And here's the fifth thing that, that I think is so important. We need to leave a spiritual legacy. We, we need to leave a spiritual legacy for our kids. I know a lot of parents that are really consumed and almost obsessed with leaving a, a, a monetary inheritance for their kids but they're leaving no spiritual legacy whatsoever no spiritual legacy we need to leave a spiritual legacy the bible puts it this way that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children that's not just monetary that's spiritual inheritance as well spiritual inheritance leaving a legacy I'm thinking about this uh <coughs> You know, some of you know that uh, this past week uh, I celebrated a birthday, 49. That's not figurative. That's literal 49. It's not like I'm 52 and I'm just saying 49 again for the third time. It's actual 49. People are at that age, and uh, I am for the next 12 months anyway, and then I'll be 49 again. But anyway, 49. <clears throat> and and uh, thank you. I've had a wonderful birthday. So many text messages and emails and cards and uh, posts on my Facebook wall and all. I just thank you all. And uh, it just means an awful lot. Of course, my wife, Susie, she, she posted a picture and she knows how to just stick an arrow right in my heart. And she said something that probably nobody else really got. But man, when I read it, I just got all weepy-eyed and all. And she said, Greg Williamson, you're a good man. And she knows what that means to me, to hear those words, to hear those words especially from her. 
who knows me better than any other human being on the face of the earth, the last 29 years since we've been a couple together. See, that, that phrase actually comes from somewhere. There's some connection to it. It comes from a movie. And I heard John Eldridge one time, he said in a conference, and I thought this was quite profound. He said, think about your favorite movie. He just asked everyone in the room, think about your favorite movie. Of all the movies that have ever been made, think about that movie. He was talking about finding your place in God's story. And that movies are stories. And he said, now what is that movie? And I just answered it in my head. And he goes, and think about your favorite scene in that favorite movie. What is that scene? And then he said, think about not only your favorite movie and your favorite scene, but think about your favorite line of your favorite, in your favorite scene of your favorite movie. And he said, you identify that. There's a reason why that line connects with you more than all the other millions and millions and maybe even billions of lines that have ever been written on a screenplay. Because it has something to do with the purpose that God created you for. And I want to share with you that, that scene. <laughs> I, I want to share with you that line. Because this just, just hits me to the core, and this is what Susie was talking about. And for me, it has everything to do with leaving a spiritual legacy, not just for my own natural children, but for all those that, that God would give me the opportunity to impact in this world. And it's a scene from the movie Saving Private Ryan. And it's actually the conclusion of that, that, that movie. And I won't give it away if you haven't ever seen it. But this is Private Ryan when he's an old man. And he's in a cemetery for those that had died in World War II that had actually saved him. Let's just show that scene right now. with you, I, I wasn't sure how I'd feel coming back here. Every day, I think about what you said to me that day on the bridge. I've tried to live my life the best I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I earned what all of you have done for me.
as he asked his wife there, tell me I'm a good man. <laughs> because so much has been sacrificed for him. And boy, that just hits me so much because I'm not trying to earn God's forgiveness, God's acceptance or his love. I've received that. And you have too if you've received Christ as your Savior. But Scripture does tell us to walk worthy of our calling. That's what the aim of my life is. Tell me I'm a good man. That I would give my best for the one who gave his best for me. That I would not live my life in such a way just to please me, but to impact those that are going to be here on this planet long after Greg Williamson is dead and gone. Tell me I'm a good man. Psalm 145, verse 4, it says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let, they, let them proclaim your power. That's why it's important, I think, for, for families to gather around the table and to share the stories of what God has done in their lives. Like even that night when my eight-year-old brother said that to my father and it was a turning point in the Williamson family. And I believe the Williamson family tree went in a different direction that night. What we leave behind as a legacy reveals what our true priorities in life really were. It shouts how it is that we really want to be remembered. It unveils whether we point to ourselves or whether our lives really point to Jesus or not. It's the testimony of God's work in our lives. The spiritual inheritance that we have is like a baton in a relay race that we pass of the testimony of Jesus to the next generation until his return. You and I really are just a series of runners. And God is saying, will you pass on the faith that you have in your heart to the next generation? Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power. I love how it says in 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, and I believe this is true of every parent, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. No greater joy than to hear and to know that my children, natural children, spiritual children, young people that I'm responsible for, and God has placed me in a place to have influence over them, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a coach, whatever. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. You see, a baton is much more than a hollow tube. It represents a spiritual inheritance in this relay race of life that we're in. All of the wisdom, all the experiences that we've accumulated in Christ Jesus, and passing that on from our lifetime to those after us. Your baton is the sum of the lessons, the insights, the wisdom, the counsel, the character, and the spiritual anointing that you've gained in your life. The person you've become and the sacrifices that you've made combine to form a rich deposit of God's living word inside of you. 
don't die with it still inside you. I'm so thankful my mother didn't. She passed the baton. She passed it on to me. She passed it on to Susie that day. Your baton is your spiritual legacy. And the fact about matters, only what's built on eternity is really going to last. Monetary inheritance is not going to last. Only what's built in eternity. So let's learn from those that have gone before us. Let's learn the lessons that we need to learn in this life. And let's pass it on to the next generation, to the future church. This requires long-term, big-picture thinking as parents and as adults all the time. Not just living for today, but keeping the big picture of eternity in mind. For me, as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, and for God wills one day even as a grandpa, I want to raise up Christ followers who can multiply themselves and take the message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And I don't want to settle for anything less than that. Because I believe the future church, not just Valley Christian Church, but the future church of Jesus Christ is dependent on Will we be faithful in this generation to be what this coming generation needs us to be and pass the baton on to them? I'm going to ask, would you just bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, in this moment of, of just uh, clarity, God, I ask you that you would just help us by your Holy Spirit to just consider what, what the baton of our life really looks like to this point. Lord, that, that we would see some of the lessons and the insights that we've learned and we, with grace and at the same time with somewhat of a sense of urgency, we'd pass them along to those that are coming behind us, whether they'd be our natural children or, or, or whether they'd be spiritual children or those that we're mentoring. That, that, Father, this next generation, the future church, would see us faithful. That, that first and foremost, that, that we would develop a priority relationship with you. That we would center our lives personally in the scripture. That we would take the time to bless children, our children. We'd live in this, as an example. And, Father, we would leave spiritual legacy for those who come behind us thank you father that we feel the tug in our hearts today because we know we're we're hearing from your holy spirit on this subject and so we commit lord to walk in your way and to really raise and impact mentor and bless the future church, the generation that's coming behind us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.